you're the CEO of your life, right? You get to decide how your story is going to unfold next. You're embarking on a new chapter. You're in the middle of this transition. And I genuinely believe that the, the heartbreak also does lead to bigger breakthroughs and transformations. Hello, my gorgeous, confident queens, kings, and monarchs out there. This is your confident mama out here ready for season two of getting to share some incredible interviews to help us all live our best, most confident lives as parents, partners, and business owners. Let's get going. So good evening, Maria. (laughs) Good evening, Carrie. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I was just telling her uh, before we hopped on here that I just absolutely love all of her content on Instagram, and I think she provides such valuable tools, so I'm super excited to have her here today. Um, Do you want to just start out by kind of introducing yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So a little bit of background about me. I'm actually a licensed uh, family law attorney in California. I'm also a certified divorce specialist and a divorce coach. I actually founded a a divorce coaching practice. It's called Dignified Divorce Coaching. And through my coaching, that's where I'm able to help women who are typically on the verge of divorce. Um, They can better understand how to navigate the complexities of divorce. That way they can take control of the process. They'll have more clarity, usually more confidence. And then that way they can move through the process a lot more uh, smoothly than otherwise than just jumping in without that, that extra guidance. That would have been very nice. For me, when I started my divorce, to have oh, really? that, I didn't know you were a resource then. Sounds great. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a newer, I guess, field, you could say. It's A lot of people are starting to learn now about divorce coaching. It's starting to be more prevalent and available. So I hear that all the time, actually, from women who have gone through a divorce. And, and I guess nowadays, there's that shift to try to have a, a divorce coach just as an extra layer of support. Yeah, that's awesome. So you said that you are a licensed attorney. So how did you go from like the attorney side of things to the divorce, like coaching side? So I actually initially wanted to be a therapist. I think that was my first dream. My first goal was I was just fascinated with psychology and that's the pull that I had. I just love understanding people, understanding how people, how things, you know, people are and what makes them tick and just the deeper human nature, I guess. So as time went on, I actually, I guess you can say through pressure or I don't know, trying to figure out a career path, I actually decided to go into law. Um, and the only area that really interested me was was family law, because I guess that's where you deal with hum- like real human raw issues, right? So p- people's vulnerabilities are going through such a hard time, heartbreak. So that's the one area of law that I felt like I could really utilize my own natural abilities, my empath- you know, emphatic nature, and just be able to help people on a deeper level. But also before that, I guess before becoming licensed, I became a certified life coach as well. So it's kind of my mix of trying to pursue therapy without actually, well, I actually did go back to school to become a marriage and family therapist, although I'm not licensed. And so it's kind of my way of trying to find a mix between the legal world while also being involved in, in the therapeutic and, and just helping people with their such a difficult process in their life and, and basically using my own natural gifts to create and divorce coaching actually became a really good balance between those two worlds. 
no kidding. That seems like it's kind of like that perfect mix for you where there's like the therapy <laughs> side of things and like the law and like family side of things. So that's Absolutely. very cool that you were able to do that. Thank you. Yeah. I think when I found out about divorce coaching, I'm like, well, this is it. This is the perfect way to use the the life coaching skills plus the law license plus everything. So it's been an amazing way to help people through their heartbreak and and for me to be able to bring forth all these different skills in, in one kind of coaching service. No kidding. So how do you typically um, help a client when they come to you and say that they want Absolutely. So it also depends on where they are in the process. So I look to see if they're at the very beginning of the divorce where they're just maybe thinking about separating, maybe they're kind of in the starting process, but they don't know where to begin or just even with deciding whether they want to stay or go. So that's one part of the the coaching to, if they're at that point, we do some coaching to figure out if it really is in their best interest or where they are to decide to stay in their marriage and really try to make it work, or if they're better off, or if they really feel called to move forward with a divorce. And if they are deciding to move forward with the divorce, or if somebody comes to me already kind of in the beginning of the process, but not really sure what steps to take, how to find a, an attorney or the legal process itself. You know, I educate on the, the legal, what they can expect through. It's almost like a, a divorce 101, right? So I guide them through not only the emotional process and, and just really trying to wrap their minds around the, the divorce in and of itself, but also the legal proceedings too. Cause I think that's where the being an attorney comes in. Cause I'm very familiar with that part of divorces. So helping them strategize, brainstorm. Um, and a lot of times they have attorneys too. So since I don't legally represent them, uh, they, I at least help them figure out how to best use their attorney. Right. So we'll talk about living arrangements. We'll talk about how to divide their finances. We'll talk about kind of what they want to do. What are their divorce goals? So then that way, when they do use their attorney, they, it's more optimized. You could say they, they aren't, they have a lot of things already figured out, prepared and planned so that their attorney isn't, you know, their therapist isn't the one that they're always looking to for, for answers and information because they're already prepared in advance. And then I also have clients that are more on the latter end of divorce, and they're just really trying to figure out how to rebuild, how to get their confidence back, how to really be able to move forward and put the divorce behind them. So they're still in that grieving phase, but they just need that extra support to really be able to pick themselves up and, um, you know, move forward in their new chapter. I love that. I think it's awesome that you're able to kind of help through all the different stages of the divorce because I feel like all of them are hard <laughs> in their own different ways. Well, and I was going to say too, I know like divorce is obviously hard in a lot of different ways. There's like, you know, the physical portions, the financial portions and everything. Mm -hmm. But I think for me personally, the, the kind of emotional mental sides of that were the hardest mm -hmm. for me. So what are some of the tips or things that you talk with your clients through to kind of help with that? Mm -hmm. Exactly. There's a lot that goes into it emotionally. So it's not just the practical parts of divorce. It's really the, the emotional and the mental sides, like you said. So with that, it, what I always say is to have a lot of self-compassion, really be 
allow yourself to grieve. It's a, it's a traumatic process. I mean, anybody that's gone through it knows it's not an easy process. There's so much of it that there's a lot of losses. There's a lot of just real heartbreak in that. So to be easy on yourself, to be patient with yourselves too, because I hear all the time people are in such a rush to feel better, to no longer be in pain, to not have to um, feel the the pain and the loss and just all the different emotions that go through. They want to be on the other side of that process, but it not only does it take time, but it takes effort too, right? It's not that time necessarily heals all wounds, but we, we have to allow ourselves to move through the process and to kind of bring life back to ourselves, right? So a lot of it is rebuilding your, your self-esteem, rebuilding kind of your, your own life on a, not only a practical level, but also to be able to pick yourself back up, right? To build that resilience, to build that momentum and start feeling like yourself again, or feeling like a, who you want to be. And of course, all that is a process. It, it's not, it doesn't happen overnight, but that's why it really helps to practice self-compassion, to have a lot of support. Support, I think, is huge because you need a positive, not only social circle, but maybe a therapist, a coach, anybody that can understand what you're really going through and just provide that attention and that comfort and just a safe space to be able to process through because that's what not only helps you kind of deal with your emotions, you're not avoiding it, you're genuinely moving through the process and eventually you, you start building that confidence back up. I 100% agree that self-compassion and like that confidence Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, there's such a stigma still around divorce and like, mm -hmm. you know, you feel like you're, you're a failure, like mm -hmm. if you're getting divorced. And so that's really hard to work through unless you, you know, actually mm -hmm. start processing it from in, inside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's, it's divorce is still has that stigma. Like you mentioned, I think people don't really understand what you're really going through. And I think that's a harsh reality for a lot of people going through the, the divorce. They don't really expect people to have such a reaction or for some people to disappear, right? Sometimes people just don't know how to comfort you. They don't really know how to be there for you, even loved ones. And that's why it, it matters who is around you, who is your support system, because people surprise you and not everybody's going to know they're going to have an opinion. They're not going to know the real reason or what you're exactly experiencing. So you need that group of people or, or just people around you that can be that unconditional support for you. Absolutely. I think that's so true. Mm -hmm. um, I guess kind of along with that support and like finding yourself after divorce, mm -hmm. I know you said you kind of help with the, the end of the divorce kind of process and moving into like the next stage of life. Um, what kind of tips, tricks, whatever do you have for somebody who just like finalized their divorce and they're looking at getting back into the dating world? <laughs> oh yes. Dating after divorce. <laughs> yeah. I would always say to take it slow. I know you've just gone through something so traumatic, something, even if you feel like you've kind of moved through the emotions, you just want it over with and to be done usually they say it still does take time to be able to be in a place where you can date with wholeheartedly essentially so usually that time frame is anywhere from two to five years right so 
if you jump right into a relationship, then it may feel good. And some people do, right? There's no judgment there. I think people sometimes just need to be in relationships. They want to have somebody there, um, which, which is fine because you learn through relationships anyway. But at the same time, I would always caution against that because as fun as it is, you know, the thrill, the novelty, the excitement of dating um, and having somebody in your life, you know, especially if you have a chemistry with somebody, it, you do tend to get lost in that. And sometimes you don't really take that time to one examine to see if that person's even a good fit for you, right? Because you, you haven't really taken the time to understand your own relationship patterns. Um, you don't really, you might end up in a similar type of relationship than the one that you were married, you know, your spouse, your ex-spouse. And they also say statistically, even if you decide to remarry, remarriages actually have a higher rate of divorce. And I think it tends to be because sometimes we do rush into dating. We do rush into being in relationships, committed relationships without really one, taking the time to rediscover ourselves, kind of put the divorce behind us emotionally and just on all levels before we start really getting back out there. And of course, there's people that don't want to date right away. Right. There's some people that are just swear off dating and relationships, at least for a certain period of time. Um, whereas I think really it's not the time that matters. It's the work we do on ourselves and building ourselves back up, feeling good, reconnecting with ourselves, working on our own self-image, you know, how we feel about ourselves and really becoming aware of our patterns. That way you can recognize what you really want out of a relationship, especially if you have kids too. I think that's important because your kids are going through everything with you. And so you want to make sure that whoever is in your life, whoever they're going to meet is, is a good fit for you is long-term. And, you know, it's the best possible scenario to, to bring into your children's lives as well. So that's why I say it's not enough to necessarily find another partner and really get into the dating, but it, it, take your time, you know, make sure that you become the person that ultimately you want to be with eventually down the line. I think um, all of that helps to create a healthier relationship. Yeah, it's definitely that mental, emotional, like work that we were talking about earlier that you have to put in to make sure that you're in a healthy place for a healthy relationship afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, and I loved what you said about, you know, like making sure that it's a good fit for your children too and making sure that that's going to be like a good relationship for them to bring in so if you are dating post-divorce and you have kids when do you think is an appropriate time to introduce them to somebody that you're dating I think it depends on how serious the relationship is and if it has potential to be more long-term, that's why it really helps to take it slow. So, you know, whether you're just dipping your toes in the dating world, or if you end up really being into somebody and a, a committed relationship is likely in the near future, then it would help to, I mean, they generally say wait about a year, but again, it's really case by case. It depends on your situation. And if you do decide you're both in that place where it just makes sense to have a more committed long-term relationship, then start small, start little, start very slow with the kids. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I have one of the guys that listens to our podcast. We don't have very many, but we have <laughs> guys that listen to the podcast. And one of them asked how he can better you know support and be there for you know a woman that he's trying to date 
that has gone through a divorce and has kids. So on the flip side of things, how can the men better show up for us as, you know, divorced <laughs> women <laughs> get into the relationship? That's a really great question. And I love that. And I think men need, when it comes to dating a, a woman who's been through divorce, it's, it takes a lot of patience, right? Cause again, she's been through trauma and depending on how contentious the really the divorce was how the relationship was the marriage was she's having to deal with a lot of things from her past right and 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 again finding herself and being in a good place again so it's being patient with her giving her that that supportive space to really let her know that she's safe with you, that um, she can, you can hold that container for her as she's working through a lot of her own personal stuff. Yeah, I 100% agree. <laughs> the biggest thing you can do is support and then like make sure that she's taking care of herself mm-hmm. and not, you know, jumping yeah. into taking care of everybody else again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and, and she's going to need to kind of work through a lot of her own stuff and she may have reactions to certain things. She may be triggered by things and you may not fully understand it. That's why it helps to kind of do your best to, to be as understanding as possible and have open communications and, and be honest with one another because again she's dealing with a lot of heaviness so just being the the person that she can feel good with that she can have fun with but also feel safe with I think that's really important I I agree well and I think it's important that you brought up like you know there are sometimes super contentious divorces and stuff obviously if you're going through a divorce it's already hard enough Mm-hmm. And we want to try and like make it as <laughs> just as possible. So one of the things that um, I've obviously been dealing with is co-parenting mm-hmm. with my spouse. Do you have any tips, tricks or whatever for creating like healthy co-parenting relationships while you're still like processing the hurt of the divorce? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I think boundaries are so important and boundaries can be different. They can take on different forms. They don't have to be, you know, harsh boundaries. I think just really figuring out what you're okay with and what you're not okay with goes a long way because you essentially are going to have to pick and choose your battles, right? I think you just have to kind of be flexible with one another. Now I know people are after they've gone through a divorce and let's say they have a custody order, right? And so they follow what it says to the T and they're unwilling to maybe work with the other co-parent who wants to maybe change dates or change times. And that just creates sometimes unnecessary drama. Um, I know sometimes people do that just because of their emotions or, or whatnot. But so it helps to, again, pick and choose your battles, set boundaries on what is really important, what really matters to you. Um, and also I would say, try not to vilify your your, your co-parent, right? So I think when there's a lot of emotions and, and people have maybe a negative view of their ex-spouse, maybe they've gone through a lot of hurt, betrayal, and they're just not on good terms, it, it comes out in the co-parenting dynamic, right? So it helps to remember that even though you're not married anymore, you're still in each other's lives. You're still technically a family when you have children, but they're still going to be around the both of you. Um, so it helps to, if possible, at least try to 
understand what the other co-parent's going through. It, maybe everyone has their own ways of handling stressors. And even if you don't necessarily want to understand or, or have that compassion, you can at least try to be as kind as possible because in the end, like I said, even though you're not married anymore, you're still, that's still your child's parent, right? So they still love their parent and they're still going to want to maintain a relationship with them. They're looking at them in, in high regard typically. So even if you don't necessarily want to go there because of your own emotions around it, at least having some type of neutral opinion about your, your ex-spouse helps to at least keep the peace and have a, a healthy co-parenting relationship. And depending on the co-parenting relationship, sometimes they're high conflict. Sometimes they, they just can't get along. And I think that's when there's a, a process, it's called the, the BIF method. Um, I think it's a good way, it's, it's a structure for at least how to communicate with one another when it is high conflict without really escalating the situation. And, and BIF just stands for brief, informative, friendly, and firm. Like there's a that. whole book on it. Yeah, there's there's a book on it. So if people wanted to go deeper to figure out how exactly to have those types of conversations, how to structure their responses that way, it's it's a good resource to look into. Oh, I like that. That's great. Well, and I think it's important too for like if you do have kids with an ex-spouse, like don't be like talking badly about the ex mm -hmm. in front of the kids. Because I have seen, you know those high conflict divorces where they do that and I feel like it's really hard because it puts the kids like right in the middle mm -hmm. of that mm -hmm. yeah that's huge you definitely do not want to bring the kids in, in the middle of, of any of it of the divorce of the co-parenting no bad mouthing it, it harms the kids more than it does anything else and you know sometimes kids are used as messengers to relay messages back and forth it's just unhealthy so it's, it's best to try to avoid that as much as possible yeah I agree well, I guess my my last question for you, since you've helped, you know, so many women through this process, what are, you know, one or two of your biggest tips that you have for, you know, helping women find confidence in themselves again post-divorce? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think kind of what I mentioned earlier about taking the time to, to rebuild, rediscover, I think is huge. Um, that also goes along with self-care too. A lot of the times when people are going through a divorce, I've noticed that, especially when they're grieving it and they have intense emotions, maybe they stop taking care of themselves. You know, they don't eat, they don't sleep, they don't, you know, exercise or do anything to really feel better. It's, they just kind of neglect themselves. So I think self-care goes a long way. Even if you don't feel like it, you don't want to get out of bed or you're just really not in the mood to, to do anything. Right. I think just having moments where you can take those small steps and just do the little things to help you to start taking better care of yourself, you know, eating healthier, making different choices that will ultimately support your mind, your body, your spirit go a long way. And I would also say to have a love affair with yourself, right? I think that's also a good way to try to bring some passion back into your life, figure out what feels good to you, um, you know, do some, I'm huge with mindfulness and, and body work and all of that. I think it's, it's a good way to really tap back into, into yourself, right? To figure out who you are and really understand your past too. I'm, I, I just love when people do that self-awareness work to try to figure out what their patterns were, you know, what works for them, what doesn't. And so understanding 
how you got to this point and, and really, you know, with, with, with accountability and, and taking responsibility, but not to the point where you're shaming yourself or blaming yourself, you know, but really just understanding from a point of view where, you know, in the end, there were some things or some ways that maybe you showed up that weren't the best or the healthiest, but with love and compassion, you take ownership of that part. So, cause when you, when you, when you take on that ownership, you have the power to change it right? You can always choose again. And you won't necessarily continue to repeat those patterns if you're aware of it and you take steps to um, kind of break out of some of those, those limiting beliefs, some of those conditionings. And I think it's all of it, it, it's a process, right? I think they all just kind of unfold as you're going about it. So taking those little steps to start feeling good again, doing some some self-awareness and mindfulness work, and um, really just taking ownership because ultimately you're the CEO of your life, right? You get to decide how your story is going to unfold next. You're embarking on a new chapter. You're in the middle of this transition. And I genuinely believe that the, the heartbreak also does lead to bigger breakthroughs and transformations. So doing these, these little things can ultimately rebuild your self-esteem, rebuild your confidence. And then at that point, you, you're entirely, you're in charge of excuse me, of how your life unfolds next in your new chapter. Oh, I love that so much. That's so good. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So much. This was, this was great. Do you want to let us know where we can find you, all of your resources, uh, your information, if we want to hire you, all of that good stuff? Absolutely. I've been focusing a lot on Instagram. <laughs> so my, my handle is Dignified Divorce Coaching. Um, I have a website, www.dignifieddivorcecoaching.com. I'm actually in the process of redesigning it. So, but I would say Instagram is the best place right now because I have all the website, and all the information in the Instagram profile itself. Perfect. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. This was so fun. I'm glad that you, you had me on. I got a chance to be able to talk to you and thanks for sharing your story too. I know that you've been through a lot too. And so I appreciate you being able to share some of that with me. Y'all wasn't that just incredible. Thank you for being here with me today. And if you loved this episode, please leave us a review and share and tag us on all your socials. We'll see you next time.